missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Episode 5, Footy Fan Podcast. Andrew, Santo, and Joe here. Tons to talk about, boys. Very, very much so. Um, let's just fire it off right away. Ronaldo is back. CR7 day was Saturday. Wow. What a way to make a comeback for your team, man. I know. And it's it does feel a little bit like he never left. Just coming back, scoring two goals, and you know, just taking it to the team where... You know, in the past, maybe it would, a Newcastle would have scored, and then they just hold up for a tie. But Ronaldo's just there, just gets a goal, and gets another goal, and he just leads them to the win. I think what's very dangerous about Ronaldo is he's still got the fitness and obviously the, the skill, but the fact that he's kind of, you know, early in his career, obviously, on the left side as a winger, now he's like a box striker. Yeah. But he's still so lethal because his athleticism matched with his experience kind of makes up for maybe that like speed and things that he lost. Mm-hmm. Good point. So it's very like I think he's still going to go and get you know who knows how many goals this season uh, just for that fact. I was kind of surprised to see him listed as a striker. Yeah, same. for the game. But I mean, like you said, it kind of makes sense because it will save his legs a little bit more, mm-hmm. not having to track back or anything. Like because on Juve he was playing on the wing still. Yeah, and they had either Dybala up front or Morata or something, so he was still um, he wasn't required to always track back because they did have players like in the wing back position that would kind of cover for him, mm-hmm. but he was still you know up and down the pitch, cutting into the middle of the field, like making runs to like on goal. So I think that kind of burned him out a little bit last season, and maybe that's why as a whole Juve didn't play so good. But with him being a number nine, mm-hmm. you're just I know from experience, you just you do nothing until the ball gets to you. Yeah. Like you can just hang out a little bit. You can recover if you just made a nice sprint or like a long run. You can just save your energy for like a longer game. And he played the whole match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he was going to play ninety minutes yesterday. No, I wouldn't have expected that he was going to either. I, I, I guess I'm not surprised that he started. I would have thought, you know, I guess maybe for a re- another player, it would have been a situation where he comes off the bench. I think the fact that it's just Ronaldo kind of had to start. Um, but yeah, he just stuck it out for, for 90 minutes and obviously played really well. But yeah, I think playing him in that number nine is really, really good for Manu. I mean, he's obviously one of those people that can score at any time. And just like you said, having that saved energy where he's going to do what he does best and doesn't have to use that energy for defensive purposes, I think it's going to really benefit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not having uh, Rasher on the bench kind of maybe played a part too because there's no actual like striker like yeah. for like substitution but you know greenwood could have slid into that position too yeah bring on lingard martial like, towards like the end of the game like they did but i mean Solskjaer wanted to make a statement by putting him in the starting lineup and like i said i was kind of surprised he did play the full 90 but yeah. 
it just goes to show, like Joe said too, his fitness is still there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, he can hang. Like I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like going forward almost all season, depending on how Rashford's fitness is. This is the lineup they might put out. Yeah. Um, Greenwood's always he's shown up. He's been able to play, uh, prove his point to Solskjaer that he's actually a reliable winger or a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, Sancho getting another start. Uh, and then, like you said, off the bench, got Martial, Lingard coming on. Van de Beek finally made another appearance. He's been kind of in and out of the squad, a lot of rotation with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're looking pretty solid. I was even telling Santo, like, they're much, even the last two years, they got very deep, um, even compared to City. I was looking at their lives, I'm like, you know, there's not too, obviously City has, like, still has the edge with the kind of players they got, right. but Manu has a lot of options in different positions. I think that's going to help him. Yeah, and kind of that long run of the season um, where, you know, especially when you have different competitions coming up, they... They could be dangerous, but I do think it's going to be tough for them to still compete with the likes of Man City. Um, I am really looking forward to the Manchester Derby now, oh, um, yeah. especially with the comeback of Ronaldo. I do think it's really going to be tough for them still against a team like City. And it's going to be interesting to see how Ronaldo manages in that game because um, it's going to be very different, obviously, than Newcastle where he's seeing the ball a lot more. I mean, Man City's... I would assume it's going to be another situation where they just take it to menu and it's going to be another 70, 30% possession game, but we'll see November, November 6th, the Manchester next, Derby, next Manchester Derby with Ronaldo in it. It's been a while. Yeah. And like you mentioned squad rotation too, and like depth coming into play and this week coming up, there are Champions League matches and Europa League matches, mm-hmm. uh, the first round of the group stage. So yeah, we'll see how, you know, teams can, uh, you know, mix up the squad rotation and try and yeah. save some legs. Like I'd be very surprised if Ronaldo would play against Young Boys mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, coming off the game yesterday, um, I could see that game being you know another Greenwood start. Uh, probably Van de Beek maybe in the starting lineup there too, give him some more minutes. Yeah, Rashford if he's coming back healthy or not, give him some more minutes just to get acclimated with the team a little bit more for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronaldo though, not the only Portuguese player. in on uh, United. No. <laughs> Bruno Fernandez, another stunner goal. Very, very nice goal. Um, I think last season he might have been my player to watch or my player of the season. Mm-hmm. His immediate impact for the team was like nobody I've seen recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like for him to get into the squad and just be able to contribute offensively, uh, taking up space in the midfield, being a distributor, scoring goals. Like he was the full package for them last season. And. I think he's was going to be like my one to watch coming into this season. If Lukaku didn't come with Chelsea, yeah. if he didn't sign, he would have been my probably player to watch um, to see how he can, how he can contribute with having a full season under his belt with United. Yeah. Because I mean, this guy, he can do it all for them. Yeah. No, he's been, he's been really impressive uh, for me in the time that he's been there. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he partners up with Ronaldo. Um, just having that extra dynamic up front. But yeah, just showing with the goal that he scored, you know, you give him any sort of time and space in a dangerous area and he's going to make the most of it. Uh, cause that was, that was pretty clean. I think on his part, what I was surprised when he first came, you know, man, I wouldn't say they were in shambles, but there was no real like identity to the team. And like when he showed up, he just kind of basically put the team on his shoulders and started getting them results. 
and that maybe like boosted the confidence of the squad, boosted the confidence of the fans, maybe even Solskjaer himself. And you know, from there they kind of built. So it'd be you know they probably would not be anywhere close where they are if obviously it wasn't for him. I know it's kind of an obvious statement, but you know, I know we keep going back <laughs> to go back to Arsenal. We'll talk about them later. I think that's someone they need, like just to go in and say like, okay, I guess I'm the leader of this team. Yeah, <laughs> you know, someone gonna, to just step I'm up take for it them, upon right? Myself to just you know get them the results they need, um, as opposed to just being like another shirt in the dressing room. Yeah, like with Fernandez there, he's been able to find a good bond almost with Pogba too because Pogba mm-hmm. was a lost cause the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when when Mourinho was on his way out, him and Pogba obviously had, they've been butting heads um, on and off the pitch, it seems like. And Pogba just seemed lost. Yeah. Like coming mm-hmm. off winning the World Cup with France, like he came back to United and just seemed like a lost puppy. And there was like, you know, those talks of him leaving, maybe going back to Juve, going to PSG, all these transfer news going on with Pogba. And then Solskjaer gets in there Brings in Fernandez, brings in some more solid players, and he's been able to like just kind of slot back in that position he was playing before. He has a little bit more leeway, a little bit more room to run up up the field if he wants to, because Fernandez can play like a little bit back a little bit just to cover for him defensively. Yeah, but we know Pogba as the player who can just take up space in the middle of the field, distribute, use his strength, use his size, and he's been able to just do that this season. Yeah, and I think that. You know, probably gives big credit, big credit to Solskjaer and like the playing style and like the formations that they've been playing this year. But I mean, it's good for his confidence too because he's a world class player. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's obviously got all the talent in the world that you need for someone in that position. And it's like one of those situations where you brought in a really good player and it elevated someone else that kind of uh, lost it a little bit. So you got another another good player back from bringing in someone like Bruno. And now we're going to see how Ronaldo influences everyone else around him because it's even some things I saw just from other players on the pitch playing with him. He just instantly elevated everyone else's game, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. is really cool to see. So we'll see how that carries on uh, for the rest of the season. I mean, a lot of the players on United are so young too that, like, when they were first starting out, you know, they're playing for the youth academy teams or they're playing just. FIFA 2004 with their buddies yeah. at 10 years old, like kind of like what we were. Yeah, they're playing with Ronaldo. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like, looking up to Ronaldo, and like, like I remember there's a couple of pictures. I think it was like Jesse Lingard or something. It was like a little kid, and he uploaded a picture of him and Ronaldo in like 2004, and mm-hmm. he was like seven or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and now he's like playing alongside him. So that's huge. Like that's amazing that they that they can do that. Yeah, it's like all your dreams come true. It's like the thing you dream about as a kid, right? And I even saw the same post with Bruno Fernandez when he was on uh, Lisbon. Uh, it was a graphics. I think someone must have drew it for him, obviously. But him as a kid with Ronaldo jersey on, he's like, just watching Ronaldo on TV in the classic Ronaldo stance, lining up for a free quick. That's but awesome. It'd be. It's can't even imagine what that feeling would be like. And like full credit to United's uh, coaching staff and their management because. They didn't just bring him in on like a farewell tour. Mm-hmm. Like he's there yeah. to play, like, yeah, and he's there to perform. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's all washed up and they're just bringing him back for no. like one last you know trip around Old Trafford and say, okay, thanks for your time here. We appreciate it. Now you can go retire. Yeah, he's there to play and to stay, and yeah. he's gonna you know expect results and give results as we just saw last mm-hmm. uh, last game, two goals. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's gonna have a big impact, I think, uh, with them in Champions League as well. I think his experience is really gonna help. And like I said before, holding everyone else accountable. Like, you know, no, guys, we can't. If we lose one game, we can't lose another one, you know. I think that's going to be huge for them. So let's go to another player who scored two goals. 
Chelsea, Aston Villa, Lukaku. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First and last goal of that game. Um, I mean, Tuchel put out an interesting lineup this uh, this game with Chalaba making another appearance and Callum Hudson-Odoi making an appearance on the wing is his first one in the Premier League. Uh, players like Mason Mount weren't playing and Golo Conte weren't playing. Jorginho didn't start. Um, who else didn't start? Azpilicueta didn't. Azpilicueta yeah. didn't start. Yeah, uh, Marcus Alonso got the uh, captain's ban for this game, which was like one of his first times ever doing that, I think. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show like class and team chemistry. It plays a huge part. And Chelsea didn't play that good this game. I know you guys said you just watched the highlights of this one. Yeah. Yeah, I sat down and watched the whole game. And I mean, the result is 3-0, but I don't think the result dictates how the game actually went. Um, Villa put a lot of pressure on them. And most of the scoring chances actually did come from Villa. I don't sure I'm not sure exactly what the stats were, but Chelsea did convert on three goals. Uh Mendy came up huge for Chelsea. Yeah, he came mm. up huge for a, a lot of big saves. Yeah. Um, but uh also the new signing Sal from Atletico made his debut and he got substituted at halftime. I don't know if it was too soon to rush him into the starting eleven. Yeah. Um Tuchel obviously wants to get him acclimated to the team and he wants to get him involved, but he just looked lost out there. Yeah. Like I said, like I watched the whole the whole match and like the first you know, his first couple of touches, he seemed a little hesitant. He seemed a little weary on the ball. He gave away possession a couple of times. Um, I think he committed one foul where, like, if it was if it was later in the match, I think it would definitely would have been yellow card. Okay. But it happened so early that it was kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, he's your warning, take but it easy. next time you're probably going to get booked. Yeah. Um, I think he just might take a while to get uh, used to the speed of the of the English game. Yeah. It's it's always tough. You hear about it all the time where it's it's really tough from players uh, to go to the EPL and handle kind of just the speed and the physicality of it. Uh, you know, obviously you get a few players where it's like a dream debut and they score. Um, Ronaldo is kind of an exception to that where obviously he's played in it for a massive amount of his career. But yeah, it's too bad. Hopefully he gets kind of eased in um, and starts performing for Chelsea as they're, as they're hoping to. But, you know, you got to give all the attention to Lukaku because those goals were just something else. Yeah. I'm honestly not <laughs> not surprised that Lukaku's hitting the ground running at Chelsea. No. No, me neither. I can't. Not he's like, you all. know, I was like 95% confident um, he's going to crush it. He's going to score, Yeah, you know, five goals in his first five games probably, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm oddly not surprised he's crushing it. Uh, I think it's just because, you know, he was at Man U already. He's crushing it there. Um, you know, obviously crushes it for Belgium. I think he's just got the build and the speed for the English game as well. Yeah. So he probably wasn't, you know, phased at all. Like, oh, I'm going to England again. You know, it's probably was no big deal for him whatsoever. Um, obviously, and that helps, you know, gets you out of your own head. Uh, so you can just, you know, relax, do your thing. Yeah. And like his first goal, the, to have the, just the athleticism, you know, the run he made, all that speed, and to have that composure, you know, cuts it back, puts it through the goalie's legs. You know, that was something else. And then just the second goal he scored shows just the other part of his game where, you know, he gets half a chance, he's going to put it top corner. Yeah. I think he, he will probably get the golden boot, I want to say. Yeah. I think he will. Yeah, I think I'm leaning that way too, just with... Yeah how he's leading in he's just has all this momentum going for him mm-hmm. uh 
I think he's he's gonna win it too. I feel like Joe, did you call that in like episode one? I did. Nice. I said yeah. if Kane doesn't go to City, then Lukaku will probably win. Good call. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We still got a long way to go. What yeah. what he's got three right now? Long season right now. Uh, yeah. Three goals. I would. I think it's gonna be close, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, another little shout out from that game is a play from Kovacic. Yeah, uh, setting up the first goal, that beautiful pass that he made. Very nice pass. You know, almost the whole uh, half length of the field through ball between two players, just led Lukaku onto the ball there and uh, yeah. let him get a nice finish. And then also being persistent and getting the second goal there. No terrible yeah. back pass from Tyrone Mings. Well, that we talked about it. It wasn't a terrible back pass. We think maybe the pitch had something to yeah. do with it. Slow the ball down maybe, but still for Kovacic to be persistent and to uh, you know not give up on the play, he gets rewarded for it with his first goal. Yeah, and almost two seasons, I think, for Chelsea. Yeah, that was that was a really good play by him. You can tell just he wanted it, and he was he was pumped, and that's always good to see. I like um, seeing, especially midfield players um, playing through the middle, where maybe sometimes they play a little lax there, um, but he just he just wanted it and got uh, got the goal. He's kind of like a rover player too. Like yeah, he's like, he kind of doesn't have like a set position. Yeah, it's almost like it's like in Golo Conte's role. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. Um, when Jorginho's playing, he kind of sits back more and like just distributes. And then Conte just kind of runs everywhere and takes up space. Mm-hmm. And with Conte being on the bench, actually, no, Conte wasn't even on the bench. He was actually on reserve um, for this match. I think maybe just trying to save him for some Champions League games mm-hmm. coming up. Um, Kovacic slot into the starting 11. And I think when that Sal transfer was made in the last transfer, uh, last transfer day back in August... My pick for the player to be bumped out of the 11 would be Kovacic. I thought they would have Jorginho, Sal, and Conte together. Yeah. Take him to that that three in the midfield there. Yeah. But, I mean, if Kovacic keeps putting performance up like this, I don't know who <laughs> I mean, the hell yeah, I always thought, get ever since there. he got there, I'm like, he's just solid all the time. Yeah. He doesn't really make mistakes. Yeah. He doesn't do... Right. He He's like a player who doesn't really do much during the game. Like, that stands out. Mm-hmm. He, like, kind of like, like Conte. Like, Conte is obviously... He gets well respected nowadays, because like <laughs> yeah. he's so good. Because he's so good. Yeah, before he's like, yeah. oh my god, this guy's really good. But like, he didn't really get talked about too too much. Yeah. Now, like, he really gets appreciated for what he does. But Kovacic yeah. is kind of the same player. Like, you can go ninety minutes with like watching the game, mm-hmm. and like, you'll just see like a number eight buzzing around the field. But like, you won't really see him doing too too much. Mm-hmm. But you know, obviously, he can make a big impact when he can step up. Mm-hmm. And he's just a solid player. Yeah, like he doesn't make mistakes. You know, like, like I said, this is his first goal in almost two seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really get assists that often, but obviously we see his class with that pass that he made for Lukaku. But, I mean, these are kind of the players that Chelsea have been, you know, collecting mm-hmm. over the last couple of seasons. Like, just solid guys who just know how to play well, don't make mistakes. And um, now they're finally getting some positive results out of it. Yeah. yeah. I think, go back to Lukaku, I think they had that foundation already starting to build. And I think Lukaku's that one thing that's going to help them compete for the title. I think they want it to be Werner, but that's not really working out. No. Um, so, yeah, I think that strong number nine was the missing piece, and they finally found it. So we'll see. It'll be tight for the title this year, I think. But I do I want to go back to Conte and say that I, there was always a, some appreciation for defensive midfielders. I think Conte just brought it to another level mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because of how good he is there. And everyone... You know, just loves the uh, the CDM role now, mm-hmm. and just you know, so much appreciation to him. Like he's fun to watch too. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like his personality is hilarious because like he's so quiet. He is the he calmest guy. I think he's got the biggest smile on his, on his face. Like when he does something good or he celebrates, he smiles from ear to ear. And it's just hilarious because yeah. he's like, I feel like he doesn't know to speak any English. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. I feel like he's like one of the players, you know, like sometimes you see like players after the game, they give interviews and yeah. they have the translator there for them. Yeah. And then, but they know how to speak English, but they just don't want to. Yeah. I feel like that's him because I've never seen him speak <laughs> English before. I right. feel like he just, it's like really shy and like really coy all the time. Yeah. But then he's like the most aggressive, like mm-hmm. yeah, kick your ass player on the pitch. And he's like five foot five. Yeah. Like he's just he's just there. He's there he's doing awesome. his job. Um, and it's funny because you think of guys who who are good at sticking tackles, um, taking up space, winning the ball over. You think of um, obviously maybe a bigger player, but someone who isn't as maybe just quiet and humble as he is. He's mm-hmm. just there. He's just like there to win the ball. Yeah, and that's just mm-hmm. like kind of what he does, right? It's like he has no personality almost. <laughs> yeah, just playing. He's like, all right, just he's got the Conte personality. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. just yeah, like I say, he's just driven. He just he has a job. He's clocking in at three <laughs> day, p.m. day at work. <laughs> Clock in three p.m. Play ninety minutes. Get out of there and uh, get the win. Day at the office, just taking like thirty tackles a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, team picking up their first loss of the season. Spurs. Yeah, uh, going down three 0 to Crystal Palace. Um, lots to talk about in this one. Yeah, you guys. So, coming in, Spurs is looking pretty good. I mean, they've only won their games one nil. Yeah. I believe. I think it was three games one nil, and then they draw one. They drew one, right? I think nil nil. Yeah. And then so this was their actual first official like drop points. Um, no son on this game. He was injured in World Cup qualifier earlier in the week against Iraq, so he was out for this one, and I think that really hurt them. Um, being creative yeah because like we've said before like they're a one-two punch team with Kane and Son and we've seen before how I think when Son is not there I feel like Kane has a harder time performing Mm -hmm. well yeah but when Son is there and Kane might be injured or might be absent from the team I think Son can excel Mm -hmm. yeah not better than what he would if Kane was there but I think he just is a player who gets on the ball more than Kane would yeah obviously because his position but I think he just can um, contribute more without Kane being in the lineup than if he was there. Um, Harry Kane, I saw another stat, is his first time, I think, in any Premier League game where he had no touches inside the opposition's box. Yeah. And they showed, they showed like a little you know touch chart of like where he was on the field. And it was right. I mean, it yeah. was like, I think the closest he got might have been 10 yards outside the 18. Yeah, definitely not going to score when you can't even get in the other team's box. No, and I think that might, that might be part delivery like not being able to get the ball um they had a few players also that were not playing like Celso was not playing because of the whole argentina and brazil fiasco that happened mm-hmm. in the midweek as well yeah um so he was not playing uh in this game but there's still no excuse i mean they got the red card in the second half um first half was not really much to talk about uh red card from tanganga second half yeah that was second yellow kind of shook the game up on its on his head a little bit. Yeah, I mean the first, the first thing, the whole situation with um, uh, Tengenga and uh, Zaha, Zaha. Like, obviously, it's just a yellow. I just didn't really like the whole attitude about the situation. Like, obviously, Tengenga just like two hands Zaha after he runs by him, and it's like, okay, it is a yellow, but it's like a really mm-hmm. like unsportsmanlike. Type stupid. play, yeah, yeah and it's like guys running by you and just two hand the guy, and I don't like. Yeah, Zaha really got in his face after, and 
they were just going at it cause a big like scene right it's just, i mean i really didn't like it if you're if that was to get under zaha's skin you don't do that at crystal palace no <laughs> if, okay you want to do that get under skin okay do it at at home mm-hmm. but there you're just getting the crowd fired up and like zaha's gonna get fired up because like you go to crystal palace like they've they've been solid mid table for a while and they're tough to play at home so you do that there you're asking for trouble. yeah um so and then obviously it showed you know second half they come out kind of take it to tottenham so i was playing a big part of that so obviously it didn't work um i don't know maybe reading too much into it or he was just you know got hot-headed spur mm-hmm. of the moment type thing but maybe just a lack of experience on his part yeah i feel like that foul is almost like an equivalent of pulling a player down like midfield because they beat yeah, you on yeah, the ball yeah like during, like a, during like a counter-attacking uh situation you know you pull the player's jersey back get a mm-hmm. foul he was easily beat yeah you know? I know by Zaha pushing the ball around the side mm. there. Um, it was in the 50th minute of the game, I think, the first yellow that that occurred. So, you know, a tight game like this being nil nil, and like there was chances at both ends. So it was a high intensity game from the start. Yeah. Um, not many chances were created from both ends in the first half there, but yeah, like Joe said, maybe it just uh, you know lack of experience from Tanganga. This is like his first, I think, official season making. Like being in the starting role, yeah, uh, defensive role there for Tottenham, and um, I mean the second second card there he got to no excuses. He gave the ball up in the middle of the pitch. He it, did lunge in. Uh, we have our we've had a discussion he, about this well, before. Yeah. He does pull out. That's what I don't think it was a yellow, but I think goes back to lack of experience. You can't. Like, you got to know you're on a le- on a yellow, yeah. and there's no point in jumping in. I think it was five or six minutes field. after his first yeah. card, so that yeah. was still fresh in the memories in the memory of you're the referee right. too. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, he did see Napoleon's legs back a little bit. It did look worse in real time mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because yeah. like he did like lunge in pretty quick. And he did catch him late. Yeah. Yeah, he did he did catch him a little bit. That's the thing. I I don't know why you would ever put yourself in a situation, especially in that position in the field, like mid There's never there's never a reason yeah. to lunge in like that. No. In that position, right? Yeah. Like you can you can defend the guy there. Um especially when you're on a yellow, because you you put yourself in that situation where you could really hurt your team, you know, mm-hmm. better off getting beat, staying on the field than yeah, obviously getting they're not, they're not scoring, uh, no. but you know, obviously you just get lost in the game. It's tough sometimes, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's too bad. I mean, obviously that changed the dynamic of the game and then palace really took it at Tottenham and, uh, <laughs> started with, uh, Ben Davies. Yeah. Handball going in with that handball. I'm going to say, <laughs> I know we're debating this, but <laughs> I don't understand how that okay that's obviously a PK and then I'm always going to go back to the City Liverpool game like what two years ago last mm-hmm. year two like three two years ago two years ago, ago at least yeah. <laughs> Alexander Arnold is way further away and I'm sure a lot of people are looking at the Ben Davies oh definitely a handball hundred percent and then you still got some people looking at the Alexander Arnold like well like you know it's I like, know. no it de- definitely was anyway I, and the fact that Ar- like he was I know Alexander Arnold running towards his own net yeah right. <laughs> Uh, Bernardo Silva cuts inside, crosses the ball, takes a deflection. Alexander Arnold turns, yeah. shifts his body, and opens up his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably the only thing I can say is like when you open up your body, you naturally like do that. But like he's turning, and his arm is just out, fully stretched. At least, at least Ben yeah. Davis was just like his elbow was like into his body. For, yeah, and it was out. Alexander Arnold arm full stretched, yeah. no hand. Everyone's just goes down, analyzing it and scores. And you know that was huge because. Liverpool got the lead 1-0. Yeah. 
and they go on to win the the EPL that year. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not one for saying like, oh, that game decided it. Well, it was a huge turning point. In the yeah. massive, though. massive turning point because right. you know they go, uh, you know, they mm-hmm. take three points from City. Mm-hmm. where it could have easily gone the other way, and then who knows what could have happened the rest of the season. Which is weird, because that was the year with the new handball rule, so the goal should have been called off anyway, because they went, took the ball and went and scored. Mm-hmm. And, like, the play, like, I don't even know what technically counts as, like, the second phase or whatever it is, but I'm pretty sure it was still the first phase when they went and scored. So that should have been called off. So it was very, yeah. very big loopholes in that whole scenario. Anyway, that was two years I ago. I know, and that's two years ago, and they still haven't gotten it right since. Yeah. I mean, looking at this play here with Ben Davies, he approached. <laughs> I forget who it was that sent the cross. It might have been uh, a uh, IU or something. He approached to yeah. defend with his arm already open. I know, like, yeah, very like, strange. It's, it's an unnatural position. Yeah, like I get it if you, you know, if, and in that situation too, like you're approaching a guy in the wing, just outside the box. Is like when the ball was crossed in. Davies was obviously about ten yards inside the box, but when you're approaching a wing player like that, you should have. The presence of mind to have your arms at your side already. Yeah. Why do you, I've even seen like you know when the players like approach and they have their arms behind yeah, their back, right? So that there's no possible way of a handball. Mm-hmm. Davies was like, I know, he, give him the left turn sign. Yeah, actually, like he was like riding a bike down the street. Actually, and he approached with his arm wide open. It was again like unnatural position for that to happen. Ball goes to hand. It's one of those calls too that the, the line's been slotted <laughs> right yeah. too. He waved his flag like he was you know bringing in a seven forty seven. And uh, referee saw it right away, deemed it a yellow card, or deemed it a penalty, sorry. And the guys from Tottenham didn't even put up a stink about it either, yeah. I don't think. I mean, they they all seemed pretty, it's, you know, satisfied. That was, yeah. yeah, okay, that's probably, that's probably a PK. <laughs> yeah, like, it's one of those things. I, I don't know why he was approaching him like that. I've never seen that with your arm there, like, just like Oh, that. I've seen it several times. <laughs> I think, you know, def- <laughs> defenders just lose their mind in the game. Maybe. You know? Yeah. That's what happens. You're not expecting it. You're trying to like keep your balance, I guess. Um, but the, hey. the commentators are also making a point that uh, Eric Dyer went down in the 12th minute. So that's one center back out of the game. Mm. And then they brought in his replacement. I can't remember his name, to be honest, but brought his replacement. And then Tanganga goes off with a red card. So they bring Ben Davies in. So they're playing with two center backs that don't normally mm-hmm. start for them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's still not an excuse for why your arm's wide open when you're approaching mm-hmm. uh, def- uh, an attacking yeah. player. But they made that known, and since the red card, obviously everything kind of went into Palace's way, mm-hmm. starting with the PK. Uh, Zaha steps up, scores it. Uh, I think they deserved the goal. They were playing pretty well the entire match, even before mm-hmm. the red card occurred. Yeah. Um, they put a lot of pressure on Spurs. They didn't really seem to have anything going forward. Like Harry Kane, again, had no touches inside the box. Yeah. I didn't. If I didn't know that he was playing the game, I wouldn't have known that he was playing the game. Yeah. If I just turned it on as like a regular fan and I wasn't actually paying attention, I didn't. I would not have seen him. Yeah. He was non-existent, non-factor. Mm-hmm. And that might be, again, like a, uh, a knock on his position because he's just playing a number nine. Yeah. So it's like you can only be as good as the players behind you sometimes. Right. Because you can't do everything. Yeah. Obviously. You need the service, right? Yeah. And, and uh, we know the service he can... You can mm-hmm. put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, it gets tougher when you're down a man playing number nine. You're just kind of up there by yourself running around, and you got to hope for like a half chance and make something of it. Mm. So it is definitely tough. But, yeah, Palace brought it to him. And then uh, Edward. <laughs> yeah. It's two goals on his debut for Palace. I didn't know who this guy was. I had to look him up. 
afterwards. Yeah. Uh, his name's Odson, Odson Edward, a French player. Uh, he came from Celtic last season. He was the Scottish Premier League uh, leading goal scorer. He must have been a, a Vieira mm-hmm. transfer, you know, yeah. scout or something. Like Vieira must yeah. have seen him or known of him, uh, being from France himself. He comes on in the 82nd minute, pots one in the back of the bag, 27 seconds in, and then scores again in the 93rd minute. Yeah, like what a way to make your debut at home at Selhurst mm-hmm. Park. That's pretty I mean, awesome for him. I like I said. He- both goals they get a little bit lucky but you got to be in the right spot at the right time mm-hmm. to like you know you make your own luck sometimes um it's huge though when you can get when you're in a new league on a new team if you can get that weight off your shoulders it's like huge oh yeah and then yeah. it's like so much of your stress just like leaves if you can do that early otherwise especially with, like you know soon with uh timo Werner, just like lingers and then people start asking questions um at least if you get it off your shoulders early, it like gives you time to like settle in more. People won't be on your back like, oh, when's he going to score? When's he going to score? You know, so that's huge for him. Yeah, it looks like a miracle signing from from Vieira there. Yeah, <laughs> who who knows who's going to be that next massive signing? Who's going to be that next Mares that just comes out of nowhere? Right, or Conte. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just yeah. like, oh, all right, you just went from a uh, $5 million value to $87 million and you're <laughs> actually a really good player. Mm-hmm. I love seeing that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really cool to see. And credit to uh, Leicester on the year they won the EPL for their scouting team that just brought in Mares and Conte. Uh, Vardy. Yeah. He was there for a while, but yeah. Vardy bringing him, bringing him there, Cash Schmeichel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, you know, these players no one ever heard of, and they just turn into, like, <laughs> yeah. massive talking points in the league. Right? Yep. Well, speaking of Leicester, those players aren't there anymore. <laughs> no, right. and it shows sometimes, except for Vardy. And I mean, Schmeich good for Vardy not going to like when he. I thought for sure he was going to go to Arsenal. Oh yeah. Well, there's talks. The whole yeah. all talk. Good for him for sticking it out. He's probably like, thank God I didn't go. <laughs> like that would have sucked. Dodge that yeah. bullet for the next five years of my life. Oh man. Um, yeah. that game, uh, Man City Leicester. It goes one nil to Man City. Bernardo Silva scoring off a, a rebound. Um, yeah, a little scrappy, but this is another game where the score doesn't really dictate how it went because this game could have been four nothing, yeah, or maybe even four two at some point. Uh, in favor of Man City, they played really well the first half. Uh, didn't convert all their chances. That opening header from Gabriel Jesus in the first five minutes. You see that yeah. one, Silva with the great cross down the wing, and like, like if you're looking at the highlights or you're looking at the video. Jesus isn't even in the picture. He yeah. He's flying in from the far post. Yeah. Direct header right at Cash or Schmeichel. Yeah. I mean, that header is sometimes is as it came off harder than a shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, City definitely could have won this game by more. Uh, it was like Santo said before we were talking about it. It was almost like just bombardment. Yeah. From a City approach. Just shot mm-hmm. after shot. And then Leicester just throwing bodies at City, you know, trying everything they can to make sure they don't score. Uh, but you got to give credit to City. You know, I haven't um, seen a whole lot of games where uh, City just find that scrappy goal. You know, I do see, especially last season, there were a lot of times, um, even the City or the season before, when City wouldn't score and it's almost like they panic because they didn't score yet. Mm-hmm. You know, 35 minutes go by and they're like, oh, why haven't we scored yet? Had so many chances. And it's just like they really don't find that scrappy goal they need. Um, so it was, it was pretty good to see where they just kind of found it somewhere. Uh, just someone poaching the box and just putting it away. So that was, I think it's going to be uh, important for them to kind of build on that. 
Well, I think they have enough players where someone is just going to step up and try and find it themselves. Which yeah. Is nice. Always nice to have. Um, just a note on Bernardo. So I thought for sure he was going to Milan. Um, remember we were talking about that? Yeah. But good thing he's still still here. Yeah. He snubbed the move. But, yeah, I like him. I, yeah. I don't want him to leave City. Mm-hmm. So he's been kind of that, you know, you don't hear a lot about him in terms of, you know, any major stories or anything, but he's just a really solid player for them plays in all the big games which is why i was questioning why i was leaving mm-hmm. or why he maybe wanted to leave but glad he's he's staying in the epl well just going back to guardiola i think he like i said before he can get the best out of almost any player and i remember when he first got there he was like kind of struggling to get on the wing um not seeing too much game time and then he started playing in the middle and just completely changed his game and ever since then, he's been such a key part of their team. So it's really nice to see. And it obviously goes back to Guardiola, like I said. If he was to leave the team, though, do you think they would miss him that much? Based on like who they have on, uh, the, on the bench? It's. I think it's it's tough, right? Because I think City, I don't think they would like miss him in any particular game. I think they would miss him over the course of the season. Because I think City really strive in the fact that they have a deep enough bench that they can win all the competitions they play in. And that's why they have the team they have. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, right? You won't miss one player, but like, well, you miss like two players. Like if he leaves and someone else leaves, and they don't find a place. It sounds like, okay. So I think it's one of those things where no one player is important, but all the players are important to the entire team. So you really don't want to see anyone go, I think, if mm-hmm. they really don't need to and yeah. you want them to stay. I mean, I think I would say in maybe three to five years, they might need a little bit of a rebuilding up front. Yeah, you know, I don't know how long Sterling and Mars are going to be in their prime. So they might need maybe one or two attacking players. That's obviously further down the road. So they don't want to start losing some of those key players right now, I would say, until they have you know, the next generation of city players coming. Cause if you think about it, a lot of those guys have been there for a while now. Yeah. they have. You know, a lot of their, you know, Guerrero left, but you know, Jesus, Sterling, Mara's that are like all turning veterans, obviously De Bruyne as well. Um, and Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, they're just like, they've been there for feels like forever now. So they will need the new generation sometime soon. Um, yeah. And so we don't, we'll and we don't hear a lot about like the city youth Academy. Mm hmm. And, like, I know, obviously, we're not, like, super invested into the knowing the ins and outs of Man City's Youth Academy and, like, who they actually do have coming up. But, I mean, Phil Foden was, like, a Youth Academy mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Um, that's, like, the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. But, like, everybody else in the starting 11, they've been brought in from transfer. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of goes to show, like, yeah, you might have the money to buy anybody you want, but then team chemistry comes into play. There's talks of, you know, we talked about last episode that Pep might not be there. Yeah. For the you know the distant future, yeah. Uh, the next couple of seasons, his kind of his contract might be coming up, and he's yeah wavering back happen. and forth about other transfer or other uh, head coaching jobs. Um, just going back to the starting lineup and everything, I think uh, I just personally am a, a stickler for you put your best lineup out every single time if you can. Yeah, like, I know there's obviously other competitions coming up, like we stated. There's uh, Champions League coming up midweek as well as just the actual uh, weekend play for the season. And players are coming off international break. So this particular week 
it is a tricky one for yeah. managers to pick, you know, a, a strong starting eleven. And maybe it's just because I've been playing FIFA for the past <laughs> twenty five years, it seems like, of my life. Yeah. But it's like if you just base your players all in all in overall and they're all healthy, you play your best players at all times. Yeah. And like I mean, this game is not it's not a slouch of a game. It's Man City versus Leicester. I mean Leicester's obviously kind of a second tier of the top six, maybe. Yeah. I mean, like last year they had a pretty good season. Obviously they won a couple years ago. Right. But they're not United. They're not Chelsea. They're not Liverpool. But you still want to put your best players out there. Right. And I think playing Sterling over, you know, Bernardo, Bernardo Silva or Mars over Bernardo Silva, I think that's the better play. Yeah. Um, On a more consistent basis. And I just look at it too. It's like you have all this money on the bench and like you're not mm. playing these players. Well, because well, they have uh, who does City have midweek? I mean, they're playing Leipzig midweek on Champions League. Mm-hmm. On their pro, like I'm assuming Sterling and Mares will play in that game. I know, I get it, I know. But I know their priority is probably Champions League. I would say, and obviously you'd want those two fresh in that game. I don't know why, but I'm not a big Ferran Torres fan. I am. I know you are. He's so good. I I'm, know. I'm I, just, torn. I don't know what Very it is. About, I don't know what it is about him. I, I think he's got... super young, and it goes back to Pep. I think he's super young, and I think he's just getting, you know, the right amount of nurturing from Pep. Because I remember Foden as well. Like he was, it was very slow for Foden getting into the lineup, and there was a few, like one or two years where it was almost, you know, very minimal games. And now it's just the point. Okay, he's like a very key midfielder now. So I think he's doing probably the same with Torres. But what don't you like about him? I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't do enough for me. Like, like I feel like his goals that he scores are... It's going to sound rude or like not nice. But like I feel like most of the goals that he scores, other players kind of create it for him. And then he just like scores. Like I don't, I don't see a lot of like maybe goal. I mean, I haven't watched. He is about in the him. right, but you know, he is in the right spot at the right time, and he's he's trying to be a number nine at one of the best clubs in the world. Right, very like very tough. Um, you I'm know, not, say, say, I think I'm, I think if he sticks it out for a few years, he will. You know, he could be just another lethal number nine. I mean, yeah. we'll see what happens. He's still very young, only twenty one. I'm not trying to downplay his skill because obviously for him to be where he's at, it's amazing. <laughs> we were talking about this at soccer. It's like, man, how shit are we compared to <laughs> I'm not trying to downplay. Obviously, he's freaking amazing and like a lot yeah. better than I am or we are. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just for that role, I think he is that he's in. And I mean, maybe it's just like the old school way that I look at things because I was brought up playing a 4-4-2 and I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was looking at uh, like the new wave of players and like, you know, the number nine. So if you're number nine, they just play mm-hmm. one striker up top. And that's just kind of like what I've grown up to watch and like it, um, become accustomed to with like watching. And like obviously Lukaku is playing that role now. And I saw Drago play that role for my two clubs that I, well, my clubs that I want to support. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, just the whole false nine thing. I just, I like to see just a striker. Yeah. I want to see just Harry Kane get 30 goals. Me too. I want to see yeah. Lukaku get 30 goals. Ibrahimovic, you know, yeah. Benzema, all these players. I just love to the, see goals. You like the, yeah. tall, Levin, you like the tall number nine powerhouse striker. Maybe because I'm not tall. Yeah. <laughs> and I envy that a little bit in the yeah. playing style. But just the physicality that a number nine can bring and just like, I think Lewandowski is like my player mm-hmm. right now where I just, yeah, he's just so good. 
Yeah. And I think Haaland coming up might become mm-hmm. that player as well. We talked about it before. Yeah. Just his comparisons, but yeah, he just gets goals, man. Yeah. I, I mean, they that. are. I wouldn't say they're missing that because Jesus could play that role, but like it's turning out Jesus is very lethal on the right side. Yeah. So we'll see if they bring in another number nine. You know, maybe like a Holland or someone. But yeah. Like, but like the playing style that that Pep plays, I feel like it would. I think a number nine like that plays with that style would do so well with his team. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Because like, mm-hmm. like last year Chelsea tried it with Werner, and like playing a false nine kind of, and like they obviously won Champions League, which is sick, <laughs> but. With the players that they had, they were trying to like, they're trying to play like how they're playing now with Lukaku with players that don't play that role. Like they obviously the guys that they had like the Ver- uh, Werner, Havertz, Mason mm-hmm. Mount play that role a lot. Uh, even Pulisic sometimes would go to that false nine role, and I think they wanted it to be more of like a target man number nine. Like when they had Giroud playing, mm-hmm. they played really well with Giroud last year. Yeah, like he came on as a sub a lot. Um, like late in games, and he did start a couple here and there, like in Euro in uh, Champions League. I think he got a hat trick against, um, I forget. I might have been like a French side or something. He got a hat trick, just mm-hmm. playing really, really well as a target number nine. And then when they play these other guys, and then they try and do the same tactics and play the same way, it just doesn't work out. So when I saw Lukaku come in, I'm like, now they can play the way that they want to play. They have fast. They have skill on the wings they have guys that can score on the wings mm-hmm. so like imagine city can bring that forward i know they tried getting harry kane yeah and i'm kind of surprised that they didn't put another bid in for somebody else yeah they have all the money in the world they could if they wanted Haaland, they could have gave him 200 million dollars if they wanted to yeah i'm not i'm not sure how it works with the whole financial situation ah, i know but you know but um yeah i mean back to Ferran Torres, I, I am a little torn on him. Um, where Ferran I don't torn is <laughs> no pun intended. Intended. I did intend that. One. That was terrible. Um, that was really bad. I'll but cut, I'll cut that. <laughs> maybe not. But um, no, I mean he obviously you know he's he's done a lot for the team, but I don't I don't really see him getting to the level where if you were to bring in Halland. Or someone like that into the club and what he would give you. Um, hopefully, I'm wrong. Where you know he just kind of turns into the the player that they need because obviously, it'd be cool to see him succeed. Um, but yeah, I, I do think where if they could bring in someone that like Hallen that's going to have an impact, you know, for a, for a long time. I think that's really what they need. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Pep was playing uh, a few players from the academy over the season which was interesting because i didn't see that a lot last year um so he's bringing in some of the the youth talent so we'll we'll see i mean it would be cool to see some of the youth come up but i do really think city do have to get a striker uh just some point sticking on city uh kind of off topic i've read something how ederson (laughs) wants to play in the midfield it's like, oh, you can just what? swap you can just swap me for De Bruyne and it'd be no different. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh he probably I feel like he would be better than we think. I know people like, oh, he played midfield before, he'd be and he'd be pretty good. I think he would honestly be probably a lot better than <laughs> how even we would think he would be. He's got mad confidence, eh? Yeah. Probably. Just, like, you know. He he pings balls forty yards. You can probably see it 
20 yard pass pretty easily you know and not have to worry it's like oh i can't screw this up otherwise they're gonna score <laughs> you know i mean it's still a lot of pressure yeah i mean <laughs> yeah it'll pro- we'll see i don't we're never gonna see it but i think i think i'd be we'd be all surprised <laughs> so what what did he say like what was the article he was just, i think he was just making a joke it's like oh i want to play in city's midfield you could swap me for de bruyne and there'd be no difference <laughs> I think he's probably just like messing around. Okay, but it would be. I've always wondered that. You know, are we ever gonna see? Uh, are we ever gonna see him in the midfield just for fun? You know, and maybe like a charity game. I think it'd be kind of fun. Oh, fun. Maybe well, yeah, that, but it's like, yeah. like yeah, you play in a charity game, like sure. Man- but Manchester Derby, Ederson starting. Center <laughs> imagine us two goals. <laughs> <laughs> Take both have goals are go from, both another, goals are from half. Have to go find another goalie. <laughs> he's just delivering balls left and right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting because obviously he's one of the best goalies I've ever seen with his feet. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to see how it would translate in the midfield. But probably something we're never going to see in our. No. Oh yeah, he can pick a pass, but yeah, everything else maybe not. I don't know. See him go up for a header <laughs> or something. <laughs> Going oh, for his live tackle. Yeah. One day, hopefully. No, they probably they never will because if he gets injured, that would not be good. Yeah. You yeah. want to risk Ederson and in injury and, yeah, for an open play no reason. For, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> um last uh, big game of the big six here. Liverpool leads. Liverpool come away with a three 0 victory. Um another game where I think Liverpool kind of dominated most of the match. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a trend that we're seeing now with them. They can just, you know, play their style of play under Klopp, and it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. They're just going to find a way to win. Yeah. They looked looked really solid. Um, you know, they there were the some, you know, I saw some data on Liverpool where they they do have that tendency to attack on the right side there. Um so I know Jurgen Klopp went under some criticism where they were being a little bit predictable in how they approached their play. Uh, obviously, in this game, the game plan they went with worked. Uh, and they just had, a, I think, a really solid performance uh, where they showed why they were winners of the Premier League uh, not very long ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, full credit to them for pulling out a good win. But came came at a bit of a cost with uh, Elliot picking up you know the injury no one wants to see as a footballer yeah. right I, I i don't even think they showed the replay um no they didn't the commentators picked it up pretty quick like even the players like i think it was maybe mo salah or maybe yeah it might have been a leeds player i can't remember i was were, uh salah was like first on the scene yeah they were calling down the referee i think his referee missed it yeah because like the the tackle happened um the challenge happened from the player from leeds and the ball was like kicked away pretty pretty quickly, and the kind of the play just continued going on. So the referee turned his back on it. But then I think Salah and coaching staff and even other players on the pitch were telling him, "Hey, like, yeah, yeah, stop. This is this is not good." Yeah. Um, Harvey Elliott, young kid, uh, youth academy player for Liverpool. He started every game this year, I think, for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the middle of the pitch there, over over Henderson. Yeah, yeah. He's playing really Which well. Is, uh, they were talking how like he's he was actually disappointed that he's not getting like a bigger involvement in the england senior squad oh he'll probably get there he'll, he'll probably 18, get there but he you 18, know he's, 19 years old. he's super young but he like he wants he already has that hunger like he wants to be on that top level already so very very unfortunate well hopefully this does not you know set him back too far it was um 
It was given a red card on the challenge, and we discussed it earlier. We don't think it was I don't even think a red it was, card challenge. I don't even think it was a foul, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. They were running side. They were shoulder to shoulder, both running for the ball. Leeds guy, I don't think, did anything wrong. He went down, and he he scooped the ball and took possession of the ball while going down. Mm-hmm. So, I don't see why or how you could even give that as a foul when that's that's exactly how you're supposed to put in a, a tackle, right? Yeah. Um, literally took possession of the ball as as he was going down. Um, based on what I saw, it was kind of tough to see exactly how it happened. I don't know if it was his uh, trailing leg, whereas he took the ball with his right foot and he kind of started using his left foot to get up where that made contact with Elliot's leg. Mm-hmm. Um, or where he just kind of fell on it. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where it's super unfortunate. It's just kind of how it happened. But, you know, it's it, it sucks. It's, it's similar to that situation where, with Son when Son was just, I think it was two seasons ago, um, when a player got pushed into Son and Son was literally just standing there and the, the guy unfortunately broke his leg. Yeah. Um, they kind of clashed. And Song got a red card. He didn't do anything wrong. Like, yeah. we're just watching a quick video over here. Like, look, Larry takes the ball and. Some like, grainy, yeah. grainy footage here. So, uh, I think. Oh, his legs kind of got scissored like, almost. I think it's like the left leg. His that's legs, why I think, like, his, his left leg. Um, it's the left leg. I think that's. Pr- looking at it, I think that's why it's a right card, to be honest. Like, there's no. Left, like, that. that trailing leg there. I yeah. think that's why. Yeah, I mean, on the 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 play on the pitch wasn't that even called sucks. back from referee. Um, he, I don't think he. That happened so fast. I don't think he deemed it even as a foul. Yeah. Uh, except the play continued on, and then the players were the ones that called it back. And then, of course, Var gets involved and takes a look at it and deems it red. I mean, I don't even think I don't even think players or coaches so were much. even calling for it to be a red card. Yeah, Brutal. I mean, it was one of those things, right? Like, it, it didn't even look that bad. You can see the reaction player, like, Mo Salah's calling everyone on. and um, mm-hmm. I mean, kudos like, to the he, training staff from Liverpool, too. They were on the scene, oh. you know, within five seconds. I think they were running on the pitch before the referee even blew the whistle Yeah, to, to call the play dead there. Um, and you can see all the reaction of everyone, just brutal. Brutal situation. Yeah. Broken I, leg. I keep calling him the Leeds guy. It's Pascal Struick. Stroik, yeah. Stroik, I think, uh, with the red card. Um, yeah. He's, uh, I'm pretty sure he's a player from Netherlands, and they were saying how Van Dyke was consoling him after the play happened because his immediate reaction wasn't, you know, to get pissed off about a red card. He was yeah. generally concerned for the the well-being of... Yeah, and that always happens, of, right? Like, uh, of Elliot there, and I mean, all the players were concerned because, you know, at the same at the end of the day, yeah, it's a red card. It was a nasty-looking challenge. I mean... Take it for what you want, but um, at the end of the day, these guys are all in the same boat. Yeah, they're all just EPL players. They're all just you know soccer players from young age, from old age. Um, a, you know, an injury like this can happen at any time, so you kind of have to take it for granted every minute that you get to play. Yeah, and they're all you know kind of consoling themselves because that's a nasty challenge for a young kid like that. You know, making an impact like he has been at Liverpool. It's been awesome to see him uh, get in the starting eleven, and I mean, he's a good player too. Like he's contributing. On both ends of the peel, on the both ends of the pitch. Yeah, and uh, for him to go down like this, man, it's gonna be a tough one to come well, back from. I'm, yeah, I'm actually reading right now. 
Harvey Elliott um, has been discharged from hospital after suffering a serious ankle injury in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, they only took one replay of it or one live uh, view of it. And, like, obviously, it'd be probably nasty to zoom Seriously. in on it or something and, like, yeah. break it down like they kind of were doing for the Christian Eriksen during the yeah. year. So they kept showing that, which was... Okay, uh, so he dislocated his ankle. Not very good, but dislocated ankle? Yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't sound as bad as it was then. Yeah. Dis- well, because it, it was one of those situations where his... Uh, I thought it was his leg, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it looked like it because it's mm-hmm. one of those things where his... Like you saw Mosaw's reaction, and you saw the picture of his leg where, like his, his his foot was point like pointing the other way. Yeah. Like something was obviously yeah. amiss. I, it looked like a broken leg to me. Um, but if it, uh, okay, it's just a like a really severely dislocated ankle, which honestly I don't like medically know the difference. I think Joe's okay. on WebMD or not. WebMD. Yeah, Joseph I mean, I, it's looking like maybe it'll take six to eight months. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the headline reading doctor situation. But, <laughs> you know, good to, you know, whatever. Probably better than obviously a broken femur like how I had. But, yeah. Um, well, yeah. you know, maybe we're just looking at uh, months as opposed to like years. Right. Well, maybe. it depends, right? Because I know um, it depends on the break. Like, well no because i even know with um um oh on uh valencia on manu when oh, they were yeah. playing uh rangers i think it was uh years ago went and like broke his leg yeah but they said he was gonna be back in i think it was like you know four months or something because yeah. it was a clean break and it was going to heal like properly yeah um so i think it, it honestly depends on mm-hmm. you know what it is but you know with elliot there is just lying on the ground his legs literally just like Dangling. Know, fish tail it's yeah. like Brilliant. like the worst thing so honestly if it's if it's not like a clean break you know it might mm-hmm. not necessarily be the best thing because if it's like in that there and like it's your ligaments or something making your leg dangle then that's yeah probably worse i mean there's all the different terms right dislocation break mm. uh fracture hairline fracture all yeah yeah and i take your pick on what it actually is we don't like they, they might not disclose everything too they want to maybe keep some stuff behind closed doors yeah um the fact that he is only you know 18 19 years old yeah that could also play a part in his recovery maybe yeah um, and if we were to do that, we'd probably be off for like a year or yeah. something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He might fire up back in, you know, f- you know, five months back in training again. You never know. Yeah. yeah so hopefully um, a speedy recovery. Yeah. We'll wish, see back soon. Yeah. Wish Harvey Elliott recovery. Um, last game, I guess we'll talk about a little bit, <laughs> you know, Arsenal. Here we go. It's like, almost like the butt end of the joke. We literally save Arsenal for like the last, yeah. you know, last team to talk about every single time. Um, they get their first win. They got their first win first and goal. first goal. First, first goal. goal, first win. Um, Big day for them. I mean, out of the bottom three. If if I scored that goal, I don't know how much I'd be bragging about scoring that one <laughs> because it was one of the sloppiest goals I've seen uh, in a long time. And even with Tavar too, I, I think VAR took a look at it because it might have been offside at some point. Or yeah, there's a, a chance of offside there, which. I would have felt for them, you know, you get your first goal and VAR calls it back. It's like, what else could go wrong, really? And then you draw against the 
Norwich that you're fighting in this case it was bottom bottom of the table match yeah um and to draw that I think you know this is the massive win they needed uh because you know if they drew that game then it's like more bad news really um this was a lineup that I feel like Arsenal will look more to playing at uh, mm-hmm. more to playing with going forward yeah you got Pepe and Saka on the wings a bombing up front and Odegaard through the middle. Um, I think he he's a player when I think like Odegaard I'm, t- I'm speaking of, I think he's a player where he, when he gets his opportunities, he does get possession. He can be pretty productive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe um, Granada Jaka was playing, was picked, was uh, off for suspension for this match. Yeah. So Sambi Lakonga made a debut for Arsenal alongside Maitland Niles in the position that, Shaka would normally be playing in just behind the uh, the midfielders there in mm-hmm. defensive role. Um, Odegaard is the he's the captain, I believe, for Norway. Uh, I believe I was watching a game during the break. He's 22 years old and he's captaining the the Norwegian team. So clearly, oh, he was captain that game because yeah. I know um, uh, what, what was his name uh, in the Euros. It was um, I guess he's Denmark. Oh yes, I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My mistake. Twin intuition. I'm like, not just thinking of Denmark. Yeah. Right I thought about it too for a second. I'm like, yeah. see, all I need to do is think thoughts about Where's soccer. And Jill know, knows exactly what <laughs> yeah. they are. Like, Sato's mixing up uh, what's his name from a Milan. He's the oh, Kyer. Kyer's Milan's yes. captain. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Odegaard, no, I don't think he's our captain. But he's getting from my Milan. Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Odegaard. So yeah, he's the captain for Norway, which I was surprised to see that during the match. Yeah. Uh, 22 years old. I think they are just a generally younger team, Norway as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, the golden boy there, Haaland, up top. Yeah. Um, but to see Odegaard be the captain and take control of the game, you know, he was going up against, I believe it was Netherlands, the game I was watching. So, you know, Odegaard and Van Dyke mm-hmm. are the two captains of the sides, two completely different players, mm-hmm. obviously different playing style, obviously more uh, different presence on the on the pitch. You know, you got Van Dyke, who's it's Van Dyke. You know, a leader of men. <laughs> yep. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of the alternate captains for Liverpool. Champions League winning side, a Premier League winning side, and you got Odegaard, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like the new kid on Arsenal. But I think he, I think he wears that role well, and I think Arsenal have high hopes in him, maybe becoming one of those players like Joe keeps talking about, yep. who can you know take control in the middle of the field, they can take control of the whole team, he can rally around the boys, he can rally the troops up, and he's not a bad player to go along with it. I mean, he mm-hmm. can distribute the ball pretty well. Um, he's got you know, a good physicality to his game. I just think the pieces around him have to really step up. And I think yeah. from Arsenal standpoint, they have to build from the back because, you know, Pepe and Saka are, you know, they're quality players. Saka is obviously really young and he's only going to get better. Aubameyang's a proven player, mm-hmm. even from his days at Dortmund. Like we know who he is. Yeah, There's nothing else to discover about him. Um, and then obviously, like I said before, they have huge um, expectations on Odegaard, but that back four that they have mm-hmm. playing in defense or however they play back three sometimes, I think they're, they're I think they're just brutal. Like, yeah. I, I'm just going to come and say it bluntly. I think they just, I don't think they're that good. Yeah. And I think from Arsenal's standpoint, they have to build from the back. Um, they got Ramsdale, uh, goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. He just signed there this season from... Um, uh, where did he come from? I forget where he came from. From Bournemouth mm-hmm. or uh, Sheffield. The Sheffield? Bournemouth. 
I don't know. Where She's on Bournemouth before. from 2017 to 2020. Ah, Sheffield. Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield United. So he made his debut. Um, I think he might be the goalie of the future for them. Yeah. And I think Bern Leno is going to, you know, take a back seat going forward, or maybe he's going to move on uh, in January, possibly in the next transfer market. But defensively, I think they just are in shambles sometimes. And their yeah. goal differential record kind of proved my point. Yes. I think they are a minus, they are minus current, eight. They're a minus eight, yeah. yeah. Well, you don't – like, I don't – I haven't looked too much into Arsenal's defense. But you don't want just only youth at the back. No, and that's the you issue, I mean? right? You, like, they should have brought – obviously, I have no idea where players like these are. But, like, you know, if they brought in, like, a Morgan from Leicester, not – him specifically, but someone like that, like mm-hmm. towards you know the end of their career, kind of like what Chelsea did with uh, Tiago, kind of brought in someone like that. Yeah. You know, if they can get a player like that to just bring the experience to the young players that they're bringing in, I think that would help. But you the know? players have to also want to go to Arsenal. I know, and that's the situation <laughs> that they're getting. And the, the you know, why would someone like Morgan want to go to Arsenal? He'd be yeah. like, no, fuck that. End of your career. Yeah. Like, why would you want yeah. to go? You to like would a, not want to do a that. Bottom he's feeder. Like, he's like, no, yeah. I'm gonna stay. At, I don't know where he is right now. He's probably still. <laughs> I think Westmore. I think he's on Leicester. I think he's the last season. Leicester, but and that's it's kind now. of like the poor get poor. Like they need a player like that who's like, okay, like I've had my time at my, my club. Like I'm ready to move on. Kind of like Thiago at PSG. I don't know what the situation if he was forced out or he wanted to leave. Well, his contract. He he left yeah. on a free transfer to Chelsea. Yeah. That's another issue, but they got to find a way to bring in someone like that to stabilize, yeah, stabilize their back, back line. there. Just be like a leader. It's like, no, kids, listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. no one wants, it's tough because no one wants to do that. Um. So that wraps up the, the week that was in England. Uh, there's one game tomorrow, Everton Burnley. Yep. Mm, Everton, I'm saying... Uh, where's the game at? Oh, I think they're at home. Sagerson Park. Yeah. I'm going three 0 Everton. Yeah. In this one, I've had a pretty solid start to the season. Two wins and a draw, and Burnley sitting 18th at the yeah. moment. So they, you know, have have maybe a little bit of a blow to their confidence. Um, but you're always going to need to kind of grind out one of those wins. Um, Let's see if they can do it against Everton. I think, might be tough, like I though. said, the first, I think West Ham is going to have a good year. I think Everton as well. We'll see. Yeah, they made a lot of progress mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, I think they're always going to be you know a top ten, top eight. Good um, for them for bringing in Ancelotti. That's exactly yeah, that was that's smart. exactly what they needed. That was smart. Um, like we said before, midweek we have Champions League matches. Uh, first, first leg of of Group One. So that made no sense. First game of groups <laughs> of the groups, group stage. <laughs> First round of games. <laughs> First round of games of the group stage. Mm-hmm. There we go. I got it out. Um, yeah, we, like we said before, Man United has young boys, the Swiss champions. Uh, I think we're all in agreement. That yeah. United will probably win that game handily. Agreed. Chelsea has Zenit from, uh, from the Russian league. That should be... I mean, they always, Stanford Bridge. Yeah, they always play tough. I mean, it is at the bridge, so you know they have that going for mm-hmm. them. Um, I mean, Conte is well rested, so they definitely won't lose. <laughs> they will probably <laughs> they not get scored on by the Zenit. game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Wednesday is Liverpool and Milan. 
Yeah. Which is gonna be a spicy little meatball. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna be exciting. Uh Milan, I think, right now top of the table in Syria, yeah. So they're they're showing up. Yeah. They're playing pretty well. It's gonna be a old rematch from uh Champions League final. When was it? Forever oh, ago now. That was a four <laughs> long time ago. When yeah, I wanna look look up Six. that that massive game. I still remember watching I that. Remember, that was something else. Were you watching with you? Probably I was probably there. <laughs> no, we were at home because I remember I laid my so funny. I was like, what? I was probably like thirteen or something. Um, laid my Juve jersey on the ground in front of the TV, hoping when two thousand five, ah, two thousand five. Mm. Wow, sixteen years ago. Boy, so I was, yeah, I was four, fourteen. Were you fourteen or Joe was fourteen? <laughs> I was fourteen. <laughs> I remember chirping <laughs> Phil after that game. I was gonna say maybe for yeah. that maybe next week we'll bring a special guest and we'll have him. Uh, yeah, we'll have Phil, we'll have an episode just on Liverpool Milan Champions League. Yeah, final. have him break that down. <laughs> what, uh, what's going on across uh, the pond in, in Italy? We will play. You will never walk alone at halftime live from that game. Oh, he's just gonna walk away. Then he's, he's yeah. gonna walk away from the podcast. He's not even gonna want to be here for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember lying my UV jersey in front of the TV because I think it was the first Champions League game. Or the first Champions League final where I was like really into it. Mm. Where I was like, oh, this is like Champions League and an Italian team is in like the Champions League final. Um, and I was just like hoping Milan would win. And I remember, I still remember to this day the commentator saying how it's men against boys when Milan was up 3 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> how quickly that and turned. Then they yeah, lose. that just turned around real quick. Oh, how the man. tables can turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... That was exciting. It's cool to be a part of that. Yeah. And then the final uh, English contingent for this week of Champions League is City versus Leipzig. Again, I think that's going to be at least three victories for the English sides. Mm-hmm. Liverpool Milan might end in a draw. I could see that one easily going to a draw. Yeah. Especially first, first game. At Anfield. It's at Anfield, yeah. But we'll Milan see. play a tight game. I mean, this isn't like... We'll see. Like Milan 15 years ago were really, really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. Yes. They were world class. Yep. Milan the last, you know, decade maybe have have really kind of fallen off the table a little bit, but mm-hmm. they've made a resurgence the last season or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they brought in some good players. They brought in, you know, Ibrahimovic is kind of taking control there. Even though he's not starting every match, he still uh, can perform and contribute. And Olivier Giroud also uh, signed last transfer season. So he's made a pretty good impact in his time there. And mm-hmm. um they, you know, they're doing the right thing. They're bringing in youth. They're bringing in some quality players. They're bringing in, you know, quality management. You know, the different coaching staff have made uh, made the jump over there in the last couple of seasons, and they've kind of changed that they play. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big game to watch too. <laughs> Going off the tangent, I'm not just looking at the Italian table because we don't do that often. Juve is having a rough. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Wow, <laughs> rough go. Yeah, they're not doing so hot. Not not a good start for the. Yeah, uh, really, really rough start to the season. The for you, Bay. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, especially with Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, looking past the Champions League into next week's Premier League uh, week, the big matchup there, Tottenham-Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, 11.30. Chelsea's going to win this game. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Even though it's at White Hart Lane. The, I think oh, the if, new, if the new so- White Hart Lane. Oh, the new one. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming Sans not going to be fit. Is yeah, he? I think they might have said at least ten weeks, oh, ten days to to two weeks. I really don't see 
that going well. Like you said, they don't have, they can't find a good link up between Kane and the rest of the team without Son. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, and like like we said, it's like you're only as a striker in that position, you're only as good as what your distribution is. Yeah, it's um, gonna be tough for them. And Son's obviously a world class player, and they they really miss him when he's not there. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of rivalry in that one though. So yeah, and they can happen really. Come up, yeah. Yeah, they can happen in the uh, the London Derby. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a good match, I think. Do you guys know how many London teams there are? A lot, probably. I don't know. I I don't know the number. Like, speaking of London, <coughs> is West Ham a London team? Yep. I don't know. Speaking of London teams, I think if Man U lose this game to West Ham, I think that's gonna dictate as to whether they're good enough to win the title this year. United, you're saying? Yeah, United. Th- hmm. United against West Ham. Like I know West Ham are doing really well this this year but that's the game if you're competing for the title that's the game early on in the season that you have to win if mm-hmm. you're like no we're competing for the title we're gonna we're gonna go to the seventh place team that's coming up and doing well this season we're gonna win yeah that's gonna like you know dictate what kind of team you are i think and like the golden rule that we used to always say was like you you win the game that you're supposed to win and then you can maybe drop a couple of points mm-hmm. like against you know, a top two or top three side but in England, the last couple of seasons, there's not just a top two or top three side. It's like you, you have, have to win yeah. almost every game you, that you have, play. You have to win West Ham because you still have to play Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. Right. <laughs> you have to. You have to. So I mean, that's why I love. That's why I love the EPL. That's why I think it's one of the best leagues, or is the best league in the world. Yep. Just because the storylines that come out every single week, you know, the the teams that make jumps every single year that we see. Competitiveness, just the grittiness, you know, the mm. world class players that are in in league that we get to watch uh, week in week out. There's no other league like it. Yeah, and obviously we get the biggest broadcast from the league. Yeah. obviously, like with our with where we live, North America. So, um, kudos to again. I think we do this every single pod. Kudos to DAZN for <laughs> to Dazen Dazen DAZN for giving us the rights to you know watch watch the English game and. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I was just uh, looking it up here. Uh, there are six EPL teams in London. So Currently. Uh, currently yeah. in London. Arsenal, Brentford, Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, and West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulham. Three in the uh, EFL Championship. Fulham, Fulham. QPR. And Millwall. Millwall, yeah. Yeah, and then there are... Uh, in League One, we got AFC Wimbledon and Charlton Athletic. It's crazy, man. League Two, you got Leighton Orient and Sutton United. And then you have five in the National League, six in National League South, and seven in the Isthmian League Premier Division. And what's wild is like these aren't little parks no, that they yeah. play at. Like these are stadiums. I know. Yeah. <laughs> stadiums. So it's like that's what blows my mind is like, like London's obviously massive, like biggest. Yeah. I think the biggest city in the world. I don't know. I don't know by it's population, <laughs> but I think just by square like territory, like square yeah. biggest kilometer. Biggest city in the world by land mass. Yeah. Land it's, it's huge. Square footage. No, you got like all these like it, it really drops off uh really in the National League and EFL League Two. Where you, you know, Leighton Orient has a capacity of nine thousand, then you got uh Sutton that got, has a capacity of five thousand. Yeah, obviously you do have like your low, low tiers, but yeah, but still I mean, you got the top the top two, top three leagues. Yeah, like you're you're packing twenty thousand, maybe not every single match, but you have a stadium that can hold at least twenty thousand. Yeah, for um, one city, London is the thirty seventh uh, 
by land area in square kilometers. Really? So, yep. I thought it was much bigger than that. New York's the biggest. <laughs> Tokyo, oh, yeah. Chicago, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Boston, LA. Wow. Dallas, Dallas Houston, and America. Oh, Detroit's number 10. Right across the pond. Shout Where, out Detroit. Where's Windsor? Oh, God. <laughs> not on the list. <laughs> but no, yeah, you got not big N- enough. N-A. You have... Yeah. Uh, must be exciting, honestly, having all these so you know, cool. massive teams and massive stadiums all in one city. Just, you know, the the competitiveness, competitiveness of it all. So, yeah. Tottenham, Chelsea... Big London Derby. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. If you uh, if you boys are good, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. All right. I want to thank you guys again for joining us on episode five of the Footy Fans Podcast. Please like and subscribe this video. You can find it anywhere you find your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore footy. I screwed it every single time. I was doing a really good job that time. I screwed it up. You can find us at footy underscore fans we go. on Twitter. Here we go. That's footy underscore P-H-A-N-S. You can also find our videos and our podcast on YouTube. Type in footy fans there. And uh, boys, I think that's everything we can uh, talk about for this week. Yeah. Ciao, everyone. Take care, everybody. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Ciao.